Sarah. Hello, Alyssa. What a journey we've been on. We certainly have, and here we are again. Thank you for having me back. At Sarah's Space. You are welcome here forever. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. What a journey this has been. Yes. And do, are you referring to one particular aspect? The whole dang thing. <laughs> the whole shebang. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to say that's a euphemism for you are ecstatically happy with every moment. I have been ecstatically happy. Wow. I really have. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I was kind of just feeding my own compliment there. <clears throat> but Because I've been a wonderful host. <laughs> 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 Excellent. I love that. That was a very gentle, and we wouldn't call it manipulation. We'll call it a gentle fondling of the situation back in the direction you wanted. I would say yes. that inside of Sarah's space, I have been able to give myself freely ah. and felt very happy about it. Wonderful. Yes. That's a very important quality. It is very important quality. I think I could speak to that. Please do. <laughs> I, uh, I actually feel, weirdly enough, strongly about that as well. Uh, I, I have yet to have a topic come up that I don't feel some strong emotional reaction towards. How strange. Um, no wonder I never rest. <laughs> okay, so giving of oneself freely uh, encompasses a lot to me. I think it means that you embrace all the parts of yourself, things we've spoken about in the past, the light and the dark, the ugly, the beautiful. I'm speaking again of the metaphorical, the perceived beneath the surface. Uh, It means that you also give of yourself freely, but that does not mean you force yourself upon somebody else. Because if you would like to have space offered to yourself, If you think about all the many human beings that are sharing space on the planet, and if we think about it in just a practical term, there's barely enough room for all of us, right, Mm -hmm. to just be. So if we start talking about taking um, someone's uh, valid ownership of place to breathe, a place to be themselves, a place to to explore themselves, to, to sort out what they are going through or what they think inside, then who's to say that our place is not invalidated immediately as well. And we just end up doing that to each other. And that does happen a lot. Mm-hmm. People just end up invalidating each other left and right. When realistically, in my personal opinion, I think that being 100% yourself, being as honest as you can possibly be, being as flawed and comfortable and confident as you can possibly be, is giving of yourself freely. It is also still able to encompass respect of other people around you and understanding that not everyone will understand you and understanding that that's okay. Mm -hmm. And understanding that sometimes you'll find out that people that surprise you or people that you least expect will join you on the journey later on. Or maybe that you end up not saying it's the end or finalizing um, some sort of attrition with a certain aspect of humanity or, or a person in your life, but maybe just letting go. And sometimes in the letting go and just saying, well, this is, this is me, this is who I need to be. And this is where I am at allows other people. Sometimes they don't even understand it deeply, but they sense it. And so sometimes what that precipitates, I find is they do a lot of thinking and in the thinking and exploring whatever it is that may or may not be 
at the forefront of their of their thoughts of what might be bothering them or might be still a oh maybe a burning ember of something that they've kind of squelched underneath oh it's fine all those platitudes that we like to use because we don't want to burden anybody else uh i think that it comes up and they're able to deal with it because and i i said that rather strongly about the platitudes i i feel as though it used to bother me intensely because I am so close with my mom and uh, not, not because we were very similar women, but because we love each other so deeply. And my understanding of personal things that she would be going through, of course, would be fairly intimate. We lived in the same house and I was a fairly mature 16 year old and we might go for a walk or go out somewhere in public shortly thereafter uh, some sort of incident, in which I had seen her clearly not all right. And people would say, Oh, Mary, it's so wonderful to see you, Howie. And she'd say, I'm lovely, thank you, and you. And I would get so offended by that. I would say, why are you lying? You are not all right. Why? And my mom, infinitely wise and calm, you brought up calm many times earlier, that's how she lives life. She'd look at me and she'd say, they don't need to have that burden. They aren't asking me so that I may unload on them what I'm feeling. They are asking how I feel in this moment. And I'm genuinely happy to see them. And I thought, oh, <laughs> thanks for making sense, mom. And that was the thing that came out of that is, is that I realized that honesty is not about, okay, well, I have the right to say whatever I want to say to you because it's honest. Mm-hmm. Honesty is about being truthful to yourself as well. And her truth was that she didn't need to go around airing whatever deep personal trauma she was experiencing at that moment when someone genuinely was expressing delight at seeing her in that moment she was truly in the moment and expressing delight about seeing them Mm -hmm. and I really respected that and it taught me it taught me a lot I think about how I could operate in the world because I'm such a different personality and I feel as though in truth there's been many a time where I think I'm being so quiet and I'll even say, I feel like I'm receding into the background Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting calmly, maybe quite still. And I know just by the diet, because I read people and I am aware of people's energy. I can feel everyone vibrating with what's up with that woman in the corner. If they don't know me or if they know me, what's wrong with Sarah. And I just think to myself, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. So Maybe we we could look at that two ways. I could look at it and say, well, people aren't letting me have my space Mm. because this is just the space I take up in the universe, just being not demanding it, not asking you to give me any. This is just the space that I'm taking up. Or I could say to myself, well, am I taking up more than I need to? Am I purposely being quiet in a certain way? And I can smile to myself because there have been certain incidents in my youth that I would disapprove of what would be going on in the room. But for whatever reason, I was there sometimes as a designated driver to make sure someone got home safely. And I didn't begrudge that particular role. But I wasn't, shall we say, generous of spirit with what I was witnessing. (laughs) And I think that my version of just being quiet and calm, I, I was never one of those people to drop snide comments or sarcasm or lord it over others if I happened to be the only sober person in the room. But you know what? Sometimes you don't need to say a word. You can be very oppressive. So I think that 
I mean that as well. I think that it's really important to be aware of of the space you're inhabiting and and allow others to be who they need to be. And sometimes you go around some human beings and you realize that it's just this natural symbiosis, this wonderful, almost like a dance, a harmonic dance that just, it just easily falls into some sort of beautiful rhythm. And other people, you swear you've tried everything on the planet to find that and it's impossible. And you, you can do a couple of things. You can, uh, you know, make a dramatic concession of defeat and turn it into a big, will I give up? Or you can concede defeat in the sense that, you know what? I just can't find that rhythm. This, this rhythm is so far from what I naturally am, or this person and I are on such different paths and you can still give them space. Mm-hmm. It doesn't invalidate what they're going through or who they are or, or how they are being, it's it's just it's almost like a generosity of spirit that lets everyone just be who they need to be without pushing that on anyone else and i think i think that's one of the most difficult things to do for for people that are in leadership roles whether it be as a parent or as a teacher or as a director of some sort uh, whether it be of a company or a, a job situation or a choreographer i feel like so many people are overly eager to assert themselves, feeling that that role needs to be established first before order can be met. And I, I guess I just have an innate, quiet, believe it or not, there is something quiet about me, gen- gentle belief that if you believe so firmly and strongly in your essence of existence and, and what you stand for inside, and you believe so strongly and and firmly in everyone having that same right, it's a given. You go into a space and people sense that. And I, I can genuinely say with complete gratitude that I've had the chance to express, or not express, sorry, experience that on so many occasions. And it's just filled me with warmth and light where I just think, I, I love this because it's such a beautiful example of reciprocity where you feel as though we were talking at one time of giving and taking. It really is that you give, they take, they give, you take it. it it's, it's a good relationship. It's not a, a one-sided, okay, well, I will now dictate everything that's going to occur in the next span of time of wh- whether it be an hour and 15 or a full eight hour day. And I think or in the terms of a relationship dynamic or a relationship, there there is, it's a very, I will, I will accept full humility in the sense that I'm going to learn this until the day I die. It's a really hard experience to recognize that no matter how strongly you feel something, it still might not be right for the situation or for the other person. Mm-hmm. And, and you have to know that within yourself and, and still be okay saying, I feel this very strongly though. And that that's okay. But it doesn't mean the other person's going to, or that I, or that they should, or that there's something wrong if they're not, or I need to change that. And so I think that's, that's what that means to me, that phrase of, of giving freely of oneself and giving others the room to have that space to be themselves and to, to accept, or let's just say neutrally not accept you in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think I think that that 
resonates a great deal with me. It's a lesson I will also be learning until the day I die. It's always so funny to me when I'm in group, I'm in a lot of group scenarios where nobody knows each other or we're just meeting for the first time. And we often have a very vulnerable uh, task ahead of us, time to spend with each other. And so watching how those group dynamics play out is very interesting. And it is, it always hits me um, so hard when people are, I will be, I can't even articulate because I have to learn it over and over again. But um, how, if you are willing to sort of show yourself a little bit, Mm -hmm in your light and your dark mm-hmm. and in your vulnerability, mm-hmm. other people all of a sudden go, Oh, I can, yeah, I can be that too. I can be my full self here yeah. and that's okay. And then, and none of that is going to step on anybody's toes. No, we can all exist here together completely yeah. and it will be yeah. fine. That was beautifully articulated, Alyssa. Cause I, I think that's a really, that's, that's a very important relationship, human interaction aspect. And I think, I, I think that is very truthful. I, I think that that quality about some human beings that you meet, you instinctively realize we are very comfortable in our skin. Mm-hmm. That's one another way of saying it. And that, that skin is going to hold a lot of different things. And we realize that we're not uh, imposing it on anyone else. We are, we are just being. And I think that... In relation to that, I think things that bother me about that is when I see someone less comfortable in their skin, but perhaps obfuscating it, hiding it under a layer of leadership slash authority. And there's many, many people that could be described in that situation. I'm not talking about personal nouns. I'm just saying in general. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that to couch their vulnerability, humanness, insecurities, flaws in something more that they feel is more successful of a delivery, uh, more authoritative. They just become authoritarian Mm -hmm. and they, in doing so, negate everyone else that's within their, their reach, hopefully small reach, but sometimes large reach. And they create a rift in which there's lack of trust and I think that a lot of the time, yeah, so it's a funny thing. Okay, so there's two funny things I want to say. One of them is, is that my dad in his uh, less eloquent manner when I was younger saw me, was witness to me being openly and quite rudely derided by an adjudicator in a professional manner, but still it was, it was, it was mean and it was mm-hmm. unnecessary. And he was sputtering with rage uh, when I got home that night and beside himself with fury and protective anger. And it's funny as a, as a parent now, I mean, then I just felt like it was important for me to calm my dad down and, and not have him hate ballet (laughs) because I so loved it. But now I realize as a parent myself, that protective rage blinds you to anything but protecting your vulnerable child and so I fully understand what he was going through and he said so many inappropriate things about that person who was in power that authority figure uh 
many of them politically inappropriate or, um, you know, just as, as sort of we're talking about societally no, polite norms. No, no, they weren't on that scale at all. But I needed to hear them. It was in the sanctity of our own home. It was between my dad and me. And he, in saying those, allowed me to see very quickly that person who had already cut me to the quick. I can still remember exactly what was said to me. Mm. He made me see that they're human. Mm. Flawed. Grossly flawed. And in his estimation at that point in time, only flawed. (laughs) But what I was able to see at that point was, right, they're human, they're human. Because you know when there's somebody that you're either taught that you're supposed to deify or, or give way more authority than they've earned in the moment, or just their position is one of authority, we can lose perspective. And perspective is sometimes everything. Mm-hmm. It just gives you that little moment to, to inhale, breathe deeply. There's many different ways of saying it. Center yourself again, balance your chi, find your dignity, get your strengths back, whatever, however you relate. And that's what it did for me. And since that date, if I'm in a situation with someone that it would be highly ill-advised or inappropriate for me to speak back to in that moment, uh, let's just use an example of a legal situation, maybe. I'll do a deep breath and I'll sometimes imagine uh, them not dressed properly. (laughs) Not necessarily I see them naked, but I see them dressed inappropriately as opposed mm. to what you're usually seeing as someone who exudes authority with maybe their tidy dress or their official dress or their very strict and proper appearance. That's one thing. Another one is, is that I learned years ago from a man named David Earl from the dance community. Uh, he told this wonderful story of um, a teacher in his Toronto dance theater that he had created many years ago who had a bad temper and had a, a professional dancer show up who she found very difficult to deal with because of their self-importance and arrogance and, and disrespect to the environment and the other people showing up late, walking to the front, the sort of, you know, just disregard for other humans. So one day she stood in front of him and she looked at him and I guess he was almost itching for a fight. I'm going to say just from the the way it was described, it was one of those people that just pokes and pokes and pokes and they kind of, basically it's, it's, it's that, argument that's out right now so beautifully spoken by so many amazing pacifist minds that I can't quote any of right now except they they say you can't fight hate with hate right you can't if you give them love back they've got nothing Mm -hmm. to feed the fire and it's a beautiful thing to say and my goodness do I try to live by that but it is so difficult and this is what this woman did in this moment she looked at this cocky overbearing personality and she lifted her hands up in the air right in front of them. So it's not like she was putting up her hands and saying, stop. But then she squiggled them side to side all the way up and down his body. So it it looked like she was, you know, kind of waving at him frantically from head to toe. And he looked, he looked at her and put his hands on his head. What are you doing? She said, I'm erasing you. (laughs) When David Earl told me that story, oh my goodness, I laughed so hardly. I thought, what a brilliant brilliant way of dealing with your temper Mm -hmm. you need to and she obviously she can't erase the human but she erased the energy because can you imagine how that would diffuse the situation yeah and it did yeah because what's he gonna i mean what it and it was in front of everybody and he he was he had created his own invalidation by the way he was acting yeah and she dealt with it so beautifully and calmly and, and in a pacifist manner 
So there's an example of taking a situation that could explode into something oh so much greater than it needs to be, you know, fuel the fire, so to speak. And I think that when I, okay, another, sorry, another little example is, is that when I go in to teach a, a room full of people, you might remember this from when you were younger, and I've had a really rough day, possibly, you know, horrendous. I don't come in in my usual energy, which is probably pretty typically upbeat. I'm, 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 I'm not telling you to agree with me. I'm just saying I think that's how I'm seen. Mm-hmm. And I go in definitely subdued. And my first thought is, I am here at the front of a room of a bunch of young people. It is not my responsibility to make them feel happy, but it is my responsibility to make them feel comfortable and to make them feel like they're still in a place of trust and a place of caring. And if for my personality to change radically, I, I'm probably hurt, not hurting them, but scaring them a little bit because something's clearly wrong. Well, you know how I believe in honesty. So I will start a class by saying, I never let you know what it is because it's really not important. It's not, it's not our role as a teacher to go in and burden all your students with the day you've had. But I don't believe in teachers that say that and then go in in a cranky, uh, snarky, short-tempered mood and end up taking it on the students anyways because they've had a really rough day. I think it's more effective and you see the most beautiful examples of human nature rise to the surface. If you say to a group of young people, may I just call you all in? I'm very sorry. I have had an incredibly rough day and I'm having a hard time staying emotionally up. I probably am going to keep my voice rather low tonight. And I really just need your cooperation in getting through this night in a successful manner. And I have seen time and time again, youth, I mean, they brought tears to my eyes with their empathy, their compassion, their understanding, their cooperation, and how much we managed to get done. And inevitably, by the end of the night, I feel bleed. And I feel, I feel this sense of, of deep inner bonding, sharing, satisfaction of having joined with other human beings in our humanness and our flawedness and allowing them to give me that space to be that and not this perfect, happy, sunny teacher that was going to make the world perfect. And we ended up having an amazing experience. So I really strongly believe in that. And I think that, I think it's also important to remember that if you do have somebody at the front of the room who seems to be so adept at taking and poking and hurting and demanding and and oh placing everyone in convenient little boxes that makes them more comfortable i think it's really important to not let them i mean the old phrase used to be not let them get to you but it doesn't say enough and i think it leaves a lot of intelligent people really wanting well what do you mean by that what do you mean not get to me i think what i would like to say is is that your essence the who you are is yours you choose to share it. You choose to give of it freely. And if someone is that person I just described in the latter long, rather negative description, I wouldn't be giving freely. I would be polite. I would be respectful. I would not fuel that fire with something that they can jump on. But I would be holding my my vulnerable self and my my part that I feel like is a almost a a precious self to share 
when I feel comfortable, I would hold that close to my chest. And I would realize that this isn't the right time nor place. And that doesn't take anything away from me. And it doesn't take anything away from them. And hopefully that person will come back in a different space. If they aren't, then I choose whether or not I come back to that space. Mm -hmm. And and I think that if we choose to continue coming back, such as in an amateur situation where we are a student, I think that it's important to recognize that that's a whole package. Sometimes it's part of a family package. It's part of a, if we're not comfortable in that space, we need to, to feel comfortable articulating ourselves to our parents to make it clear why we're not comfortable in that space. I think I mentioned that a long, long time ago in one of our podcasts, that communication between parents and children and parents and youth and teenagers is, to me, imperative for the growth as a human being and the understanding that it's okay to have a different opinion, say, from your parents or to have a maybe a more fully fleshed out opinion because you're the one in the experiential situation in the actual room. Mm-hmm. Or simply, you're the young one. So you're being treated differently than the peer-on-peer adult situation is. And I think in that communication, sometimes we can be heard so fully by our parents and so um, maybe emboldened to be, to understand that we're protected, even if we do go back in that situation, it's still unpleasant. We know that our parents have heard us. Mm-hmm. I think that it's very difficult for a lot of young people to speak to their parents openly and honestly. I have heard that time and again. Because I don't go out of my way to create separate relationships with most of the parents of the young people I am with, out of time and circumstances, one of the reasons. But the other reason was kind of a personal choice many years ago. I feel that uh, it's important to me for young people to teaching. Mm -hmm. And so their experience of what they're getting from me is the most important thing to me. If they feel uncomfortable or as though I'm disrespecting them or misunderstanding them or not hearing them. I try to create an environment and a a bond and a trust early enough in our teaching student relationship that they can say something to me. It might not be in those exact words because often that would feel too awkward to say, but it could come out in another way. If a parent gets involved, it's either because they're their witness as a videographer in a, in a solo or, or choreography situation or I, I happily meet them at a, a festival or a competition or a show, which is lovely. And I'm not saying I, I'm unhappy about any of those situations, but in those moments, they probably know a heck of a lot more about me than I know about them because I know them sometimes only by appearance, maybe because they're standing beside their child or maybe because we've been introduced on one or two occasions. In those moments, I have I've had so many wonderful experiences with mothers mostly, but in one case it was a father actually in a quiet way, just thanking me for being there for their child. That meant the world to me because they were basically saying we couldn't be there the way you can be there because a, I'm not the parent and B they're not in the dance world. And we appreciate and trust that you were there in the way that they needed you. And that's a, that's a huge gift to be given. And that's a, that's an amount of trust that I don't look upon lightly. And I am very grateful for and have had relationships burden from that. And, and when they don't burden from that, it's just once it's one of those, those moments where particularly if it's the end of their training and they're graduating and moving on into the world and whatever aspect they're going to move on, 
it's it's a lovely way to say goodbye because it's a it's appreciation from both sides. I'm appreciating the trust they've given me, lending their child to me to teach this art form and possibly some other philosophical principles along the way and anatomical principles, etc. And they're appreciating the fact that I didn't abuse that trust. And I think that's that's something that I will I carry that in my heart. I think when we very first spoke in our trial run podcast, it came up because I think I, I thought of that the other day that I, sometimes when I think about how many people I've taught over the years, it is, is absolutely overwhelming. And it's not because I think, Oh, I have taught all these people. And I don't think about the numbers. I think about the humans. I think about if it's a one child, it's a family. It's two children. It's even more family. If it's a child that I got to meet a grandmother, you know what I mean? It just goes on and on. And I just think, given my connection with my beloved ballet teacher and given my connection or disconnection, shall I say, with some of the people that were less beloved in my background, it, 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 yeah, it moves me to the very essence of my being. I just think this is such an important role. And I think that, uh, it's tough. And I think that it's very hard for some people to do it from their heart at all times. They spend a little too much time in the cerebral mind thinking that, well, it should be this way. And it's more important that I, but if you actually look into the eyes of people, it's pretty clear what's needed in the moment. And sometimes you just need to listen. And sometimes you need to listen and still be teaching, but you need to listen with your, your being. So Examples would be not to stop the class and say, are you all right? And, you know, cause a teenager to be mortified and burst into tears when they're having a tough time dealing with whatever's going on in their life. But to give them the eye contact that says, I see you. I see you. You know, I see you. And then to go on and embrace them into the group. And inevitably it comes out anyways. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think that I try for that in regular human interaction and relationship human interaction with, you know, my peers and my husband and my uh, bosses and my certainly with my daughter I think it's so important that she feels heard and you know when you have a a young person that's going to go out in the world in six seven or less years or even just out in the world period who cares how many years it's going to be it is so important to impart upon them a sense of a a self-worth that gives them the understanding that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling. What's not okay is if you push that feeling onto someone else. Mm -hmm. And it's not okay if you take the way you're feeling and use it as a reason or an excuse to treat someone else poorly. But it is 100% okay to feel the way you're feeling or to experience what you're experiencing or to have the thoughts that you're having, whether they be controversial or politically incorrect or unpopular in pop culture or the times. And I think that validation is part of the building of self-worth so that someone can stand there and be a respectful, respectable human being who stands their ground in that quiet, strong, grounded, balanced manner that doesn't need to defy or rebel or scream to be heard. They are just heard by being there. And I think that I, yeah, that one actually moves me almost to tears because that's a, that's a big thing that I run into over and over again with young people. It really is a, 
you know, that there's such a, a desire to be understood and heard. And, and so often in our need to care for them, whether we be parents or we be mentors of some sort, we run over them like it's a fast moving car and they're just caught up in the windstorm and they're looking at the rear view mirror, just thinking, but you didn't even see me. And I, and I think that we got to sometimes quiet our own emotions and our own agenda. And, and I think that 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 goes back to that story about my dad being so vocal and politically incorrect about he, he, those were his emotions. It wasn't his agenda. His emotions were that man hurt you. And that was not right. And he is a flawed human being. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. I didn't hear my dad's right and that man's wrong. Because I knew my dad still didn't know anything about ballet. (laughs) And this man did know more about ballet than my dad. That didn't matter. Because my dad was being more of a human being in that five seconds of, well, let's say five minutes of a tirade (laughs) than that man on stage was the entire evening. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's a... I guess that's the essence of, of my interaction with human beings. Is that, and I think maybe that goes back to feeling like I am a strong human in the sense that I know that I take up space when I come into a room and, and am with someone. But that doesn't mean that I'm stronger. And it doesn't mean that that gives me any right to dominate. That means if if anything, that should give me more understanding of how to open the stage for that other person to be and that other person to celebrate themselves and discover things about themselves. And I would say it's incredibly easy for me to do that with youth and students and any student. They don't have to be a heck of a lot younger than me. Sometimes they're older than me, but if I'm in the teaching position, I find that truthfully effortless to do. It is harder in peer relationships because sometimes you just you're making fists by the side of your body. You're saying, why do you need to act this way? Why do you need to talk this way? Why don't you ever listen? <laughs> why is it always about you? You know, there's so many little phrases I could pour out. But I think that the biggest thing to remind yourself in those moments is they're on a different journey. And their journey of self-discovery is no less worthy than yours. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And and patience truly is a virtue because in, in that virtuous patience, we have time to breathe. We have time to reflect. We have time to ground ourselves to the earth and say, there's so much more going on than this one time, this one moment in time. And that, I do remember that's a quote that I said in that piece, the, 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 oh, the piece I only ever gave you. <laughs> to the book but I talked about time Mm -hmm. and I think that that's because at that point in time I was already getting to an age where I was realizing wow I've seen a lot of time pass I've seen a lot of when you're watching young people come of an age and then they move on that's a very strange way of watching time pass because it's in packages of 10 years usually Mm -hmm. and in those 10 years so much happens it's so developmental it's it's transcendental on many levels and and it, I have such a profound respect for it because in those 10 years, it's up to me to grow too. And then at the end of it, I realized, oh my goodness, so much has transpired. And, and I think that that's, that whole time reflection, I think probably takes me as close to my, my yoga self as I'll ever be. <laughs> because it's just, a, it's a recognition and a calm uh, understanding that time is an entity that will never stop. 
mm-hmm. and we'll never have control over. And thank goodness, because how glorious is the passing of time? It brings with it so much and, and it doesn't all have to be celebrated. Some of it is incredibly painful and incredibly hard to overcome and get through. But in every one of those journeys is a plethora of doors to open, filled with wisdom, filled with self-learning, filled with self-worth, filled with self-discovery, filled with sharing, filled with vulnerability, filled with just an infinite amount of moments of loving being alive. And being alive is grossly imperfect, which, again, how wonderful is that? Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I should do a commercial for imperfection. <laughs> And we now take a pause as we do a commercial for imperfection. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the, the, as the more time passes and the older that I get, uh, I'm always blown away by, I mean, especially right now at this exact time in my life, I'm really appreciating uh, how much joy comes out of being able to hold your insecurities. Yeah. Um, because actually, you can kind of laugh. Absolutely. You can laugh at yourself. Absolutely. And it is hilarious. Mm-hmm. We all have mm-hmm. these horrible mm-hmm. things. And it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's very funny. Yes, yes. I often um, joke with uh, friends when we're having, you know, a, a social interlude that we really should write a list. And just put it down on the table and just look at it throughout the evening. Whether or not there's wine being drunk to sort of, I don't know, ease exacerbate the, the situation <laughs> or ease the pain. I think it's actually kind of wonderful because what we find as insecurities is inevitably something that the other person looks at us completely blankly yeah. as the, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's not contrived. Mm-hmm. They are truly gobsmacked. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what you were talking about. And you then you... You get this, again, perspective where you think, oh, right. Okay, so, well, how interesting. I will just embrace that insecurity and and let it be what it is. For me, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And that's, again, I hate to flagellate this, but that's why we can't look to others to find our own sense of worth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Our, our, our Our genuine design of who we are in the universe is inside us. And it's how we interact with other others it's not how they reflect back on us and tell us how we are for them mm-hmm. or how the mirror reflects back on us and says this is how you look because that's so skewed and inevitably harmful in the long run i love this wishy-washy uh, the, the erasing the yes. erasing yeah. um yeah just to be able to reach out with your own humanness the mm. the anger that that caused may have caused that person in the moment and to extend it back towards that other person's Mm -hmm. humanness and say here we are (laughs) and it takes yeah what can be confrontation Mm -hmm. and turns it into diffusion but also maybe joy oh absolute levity yeah yeah the room was in as you can only imagine gales of laughter yeah because it was it was something where i think everyone wished they had thought of it What a brilliant way of dealing with this situation, how to diffuse it. Mm -hmm. And I think even the young men had a laugh at himself because it just, you know, you push too far and Mm -hmm. everyone has a response to that. And hers was, in my estimation, ideal. (laughs) I've used it many a time. (laughs) 
How do you? Oh, especially when I'm driving. I erase a lot of people. <laughs> Self-driving cars have not taken off yet, Sarah. You need those I people. I know. I know. Mm. Yeah. This is a big one, actually. I feel like it we is. could talk about this for a long time. Well, I think self-worth has many different incarnations and expresses itself in different stages of our lives as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I guess I sort of more focused on the vulnerable stages of youth, but uh, yeah, as a, as a grown woman, as a a woman that may or may not be making choices to have children, as a woman that can't have children, as a woman that uh, gets into a relationship that may be perceived from outside forces as improper or inappropriate or wrong for her i mean there's so many different incarnations of well how do we where's our worth in all of this and how do we feel and and is it intact when we have this conversation with ourselves or does it become splintered and damaged by the way we are being perceived by the outside world it makes me think of an odd thought which is that it's kind of i mean the whole time the last few episodes mm-hmm. podcasts we've been talking about self-worth mm-hmm. in you know as an underlying different ways, yeah. different ways ways to value yourself take care of yourself um and it makes me think this strange thought which is that it can be hard to um make yourself feel good sometimes mm-hmm. which is a strange thought to have mm-hmm. at this moment i feel like but um, yeah, I guess that, that just goes back to that. It takes time to know yourself, to mm-hmm. know not only how to attend yourself, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, having joy in moments where you feel truly upset or mm-hmm. like you need to, is can be a really difficult thing to do mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have nothing more to say about that. If I might just add to that a little is that I think that sometimes I think feeling good about ourselves is always attached to an accomplishment Mm -hmm. or a perceived accomplishment or a success. And sometimes it means much less, or I don't even want to say that word. It's not quantifiable. It doesn't mean much less than that. It means something much different. So sometimes one can take great happiness from, I just had an altercation and I didn't raise my voice. Mm. I was just grossly misunderstood and I still let that person finish their sentence so that they were validated by being heard. Yeah. Or I just, as I used this metaphor earlier, I just drove through the most messy traffic possible and I didn't lose my temper. Or I just had a child have a screaming temper tantrum at me and I gave her that space to do that. And then at the end reminded her that her anger, I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And it's important to remember that her anger is a choice, how she wreaks it upon the world at large. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it has, it has a lot of, it has a lot of side branches, Mm -hmm. what you just said, actually. Mm -hmm. When in doubt, do acting exercises. Well, yeah, vocal warm up at this point in time. Yeah. Um, uh, Being able to hold, being able to be secure within yourself Mm -hmm. extends itself through everything doesn't yes. it yeah. your joy your yeah. pain yeah. yeah your relationships yeah absolutely the world yourself absolutely because it, you're the one that's out there doing and experiencing all of that and if there's a constant um sense that you're not right you're not doing it right mm-hmm. it, it must be the most debilitating condition to be burdened with because you will question everything mm-hmm. and and thereby how 
pure and true are those experiences because they're already being judged and you haven't even undergone them. Mm-hmm. And then there's no way to step back and examine them from afar and grow from them because you've judged them initially. So they weren't true or pure in the moment. Mm-hmm. I feel that in my own situation, I can really only truly speak to that. I am so grateful for the honesty and solidity that was my family structure as a child, because it really did give me a place to recognize that it's okay that you're warty and ugly inside Mm -hmm. and that you do have a bad temper and that you do think dark thoughts. You are loved and you're loved deeply. And as long as you are not, again, forcing that upon someone else, imposing your will on someone else, then you have every right to be who you are in the moment. And I think that I keep saying in the moment because I want to stress that it doesn't mean that you're now signing a contract that this is who you are for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. It, you might find that as life goes on, your temper abates. You may find that as life goes on, your depression abates. You may find so many different things about yourself. It's, a, it's such an incredibly long learning journey that's splendiferous in its many avenues that can be taken. But it is, it is important that on that journey, you really let yourself be in whatever moment you're experiencing. And, you know, in, in honesty, if you asked me today to look back at some of the things that I experienced in my 20s, I would scrunch a little bit. I would cringe, you know, in the sense of, oh, yeah, yeah. But I would not feel, I would not ever feel ashamed or regretful that I went through that because my goodness, did it teach me something about myself throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the worst parts of myself that came to the forefront in, in various experiences, I look at now and think, oh, Sarah. But I made sure that as I was doing that, then I kept thinking about it afterwards to think, now, am I okay with this? Am I okay with this? And, you know, sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes five hours. Sometimes it's within a week. You're saying no. I'm not going to do that again, or I don't want to be that person again, or I don't want to be in this situation again. And I think that I can genuinely, I'm just pausing and reflecting, but I think I can actually say, I don't think I've repeated, you know, the stuff I'm really, truly that I, 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 I wouldn't be mortified if someone dug it out of my history. In fact, I'd probably just openly blatantly tell you, I'm not proud of it. It's not something I want to display, but it is part of what has made me who I am. And I haven't repeated Mm-hmm. So that the lesson, the journey, the path, the choice, the decision, that whole circle of life that occurred in that moment completed itself so that I was able to move from there to the next place. And I think the only reason I was able to do that is because of that confidence that was instilled in me so young. Mm-hmm. That it's okay if you screw up. But is it okay if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again? Is it okay if you do that and hurt somebody else knowingly? Or if you've done it already, hurting someone, maybe unknowingly, well, the second time, realistically, you're knowing. Mm -hmm. So I think that, I think that we make a lot of choices about how we deal with what we've been dealt in life. And everyone's got a story. And everyone has some sort of recipe has made them who they are today. And some of the recipes, you know, heard from the outside objective standpoint are heartbreaking and so difficult to listen to. But the, the person who's telling you that if you're listening to the, the person at the center of that maelstrom quite often can take you 
to a whole different place of humanity where you just celebrate the inner strength and development and and integrity of soul in this human being because they are just so much more than that one story. And that's everything, in my personal opinion. Resiliency. Resiliency, yes. I think it is time to say uh, we will talk later. We will talk later. We will talk later. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah.